Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Our reading today is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the goodness of your word. Please show it to us now. Please help us to know your grace to us in Jesus. Amen. The Christian story involves the most amazing before and after pictures. We see before and after pictures all the time. Maybe on a weight loss advert, an overweight person in the before shot, but then now a slim person in the after shot, maybe even holding out their baggy trousers from their waist. Maybe it's on a garden restoration show. The before shot looks like a wasteland. The after shot, a new paradise. The pictures prove an amazing transformation has taken place. Well, similarly, the Christian story involves the most incredible before and after pictures, proof of a wonderful transformation brought about by God. But I think you can go wrong in three ways with before and after pictures. And the result is always less appreciation of the transformation. You can get the before picture wrong. That means not seeing how bad things were. Or you can get the after picture wrong. And that's not seeing how wonderful the outcome is. Or you can miss how the change happened. That would be to put credit in the wrong place. And it's just the same with the Christian transformation. We might not see how bad we were. We might not see how amazing what we've become is. Or we might not realise how it all works, how the transformation happens. Perhaps as we look at this passage, you might think, which is the mistake most likely for you? We're in the letter from Paul to the Ephesians. And in chapter one, we've seen that he wants them and us To know God's plan, his plan for the world, his plan for the church. He's going to restore the broken world. He's going to restore divided humanity and all through Jesus. 
And our passage today starts with the words, as for you. Having been speaking about the big picture in chapter one, he now asks, how do we each fit into God's plan? And the answer is that we each experience an unbelievable transformation. That's his plan for each one of us. And together, that's how he'll restore humanity under Jesus. So let's look at the transformation and let's start with the before picture. And it's this, we were dead. This is the before picture, we were dead. Verse one, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Transgressions and sins are two words to describe the many ways in which we defy God. We rebel against him in our thoughts, our words and our deeds and that makes us spiritually dead. The trouble though is that people don't seem to be dead. Think about your lives before you were Christian and the lives of those who we know who are not believers. Many of them are kind, charismatic, full of life. Is it right to say that they're dead? What's going on? Well, we need to put our spiritual glasses on. Yes, they have physical life, wonderful physical life, and there's lots to show for them. But spiritual life is about how we are towards God. And for all of us, before becoming Christians, we were as responsive as a corpse. Imagine I go to the supermarket and I buy a whole chicken and I bring it home and rather than stick it in the oven to roast it, I present it to my boys and say, I brought you a pet. It would be mad. They might, they might try calling it, they might try playing with it, but it would be totally unresponsive. It's a dead chicken. Well, we were as responsive to God as a corpse. Did we have any interest in God? No. Did we listen to his word? No. Did we give thanks for all the good he does for us? No. Did his presence make any impact on our lives? No. And this is everyone, not just the obviously bad people. Yes, some people do seem to be worse than others, but we're all corpses before God. Because our spiritual life isn't just about outward bad things we do but about who we live for, who we follow. And before God saved us, we just lived for ourselves. We didn't follow him, we were spiritually dead. And if you're not sure, there are signs that this is true. The the spiritual world breaks through to the physical. There are shafts of light coming under the door. And one of them is in verse three. This is how we can see that it's true. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, and following its desires and thoughts. There are outworkings of being spiritual dead, proof that it's true. It's gratifying our cravings. You might be gratifying your cravings with food and drink. You realize you have no self-control. You might be gratifying your cravings with spending. It's, it's out of control or gambling. You might be gratifying your cravings with online gaming. It's all you want to do with your spare time. Or your cravings might be sexual, playing out in relationships, or virtually in what you watch online. Or your cravings might be in anger, other people, they annoy you so much and you lash out physically or verbally, or maybe just in our minds. Oh, what we would love to say, playing it out for our enjoyment. And it's all evidence that we were spiritually dead. God did not come into the picture. We were just living out our desires, gratifying our cravings. We were 
dead. It's a hard truth, a dark truth. We might think we'd be better off not talking about it. But we must because it's the before picture. We need it. It's the foundation. It needs to go deep. It's the backdrop. Make it dark so the jewels shine. And it's the truth. We can handle the truth. And the truth will set us free. Next, we'll see two points on how the transformation happened. And the first is this. We're saved by unity with Christ. It's verses four to six. We're saved by unity with Christ. Unity with Christ is an important Christian idea, and it's clearly on display here. The basic idea is that Christians are spiritually tied to Jesus. And so whatever happens to him happens to us. Things that we have no power to do by ourselves but by being united to him, are given to us. So imagine I get a brick, I write a little note on the piece of paper, I tie the paper to a brick, and then I come around your house and I throw the brick through the window. Your window will be smashed, but you're not going to say, oh, Matt's note broke my window. It was the brick. The brick went through the window, and so did the piece of paper. The illustration Paul often uses is that Jesus is the head and Christians are the body. And it's just the same. Where the head goes, the body follows. So look with me and see if you can see this idea in these verses. We're looking for three things that Jesus uh, does for us by being united to him. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Do you see the three things? God makes us alive with Christ. He raises us up with Christ and he seated us in heaven in Christ. And you see, these are all things which happened for Jesus. Paul has actually only just told us this. If you look back to 1 verse 20, he's talking about the power of God. And he said that the power of God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And then here, talking about how we fit in, he says just the same is done for us. We're saved by unity with Christ. Now again, we have to put on our spiritual glasses. We're not physically in heaven yet, but spiritually we are because we're united to Jesus. As the brick smashes through the window and the paper goes with it, Jesus smashes through death and we go with him. As the head rises and ascends to heaven, the body is not left behind. We go too. Isn't it wonderful? And the point to hold on to is that we can't be saved without Christ. We need him. All people need him. Every other member of this church family needed Jesus. Every single person at your school needs him. Everyone you see on the street today needs Jesus. We cannot be saved without him. We're dead. There's no other way. We need the one who has smashed through death to save us. We're saved by unity with Christ. 
The next thing to say is closely related. Again, it's about the transformation. It's this, we're saved by grace. Maybe less how it happened, but why it happened. This is verses seven to nine. We're saved by grace. Verse seven, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Why does God save us? It was all to show the incomparable riches of his grace. As I wander around the streets of Forward, I see there are some very rich people living around here. Well, God is very rich in grace, incomparably rich in grace. Just quickly, what exactly is grace? It's a word used in a few different ways. It's used as a girl's name. We're not talking about that. Uh, It's used to describe elegant movement, such grace on the dance floor. It's not that. Uh, It's used uh, too as a prayer before having a meal. It's not that. This is the sort of grace we'd be talking about if we said, oh, he showed me grace. I was running late for a job interview, but when I got there, they showed me grace. They, They didn't make a big deal about it. Or I was buying a drink in a, in a cafe and, and when I came to pay, I realized I didn't have my wallet. But the waitress, she showed me grace. She let me have it for free. Or I messed up and I let a friend of mine down, but he showed me grace. He said it was okay. He forgave me. Grace is when God could punish us, but instead chooses to show us mercy. When he gives us what we don't deserve, And God is just rich in this. He does this all the time. He's so full of this. He just pours out kindness on people who don't deserve it. He splashes his grace around like a billionaire. And we are the lucky recipients. We who were dead in our sins and should face wrath. But he chooses to bring us to life instead. So let's remember that there's not one ounce of merit in our salvation. It is by grace we have been saved. And finally, we come to the after picture. The transformation is complete and we're now a new creation. We're a new creation. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are his handiwork, his creation, his project. God's been in the shed working away at something. He's been at his easel painting something special and he presents to the world his creation and it's us, each one of us. He's taken a rotting corpse and made a masterpiece. Do you ever think of yourself like this? You're something special to be marveled at. Something that God is proud of. We often get down in the dumps, don't we? We're despondent about our progress in life. We're fed up with who we are. But really, to God, we are his handiwork. This is a spiritual reality and it's hard to see sometimes. We need our spiritual glasses on. But again, there is some proof in the physical world. There are breakthrough moments, another shaft of light under the door, and the proof, uh, or just like the proof of our inner death, 
was when we gratify the sinful nature. Well, the proof of our new life is when we do good works. Verse 10, there are good works for us to do. Good works prepared by God for us. And it's part of his handiwork in our life. So how do you know you're a new person now, alive, spiritually? Because you have actually changed. No longer do you live just gratifying your desires. Now you do things to serve God and serve others. I had this good buddy down in London who had been a Christian five years or so, but he was constantly doubting that he was really a Christian. It was a spiritual battle for him. But one of the most helpful things was reminding him of the change in his life. To be honest, I could say to him, you used to be a bit of a waster, getting drunk with your mates, casually using drugs, and not doing much with your life at all. But now you've dropped all of that, and most weeks I can find you here at church helping the little kids in Sunday school. That is proof of the spiritual change in your life. And I'm sure we all have some stories of God changing us too. We're a new creation And if we compare the before and after pictures, we should be blown away. God has done a phenomenal transformation in us. But I said at the beginning that with before and after pictures, you can get it wrong in three ways. And many of the problems in the Christian life come from getting something wrong here. For some, it will be that before picture. We don't really appreciate what we were like. We think we were okay, maybe, maybe not perfect, but dead in our sins is a bit much. This will be the battle for many of us who grew up in Christian families or just had a nice upbringing. We're not that bad. And so we don't see the reality of how we were before God, that we were dead. We don't fully appreciate, therefore, what he's done for us in bringing us to life. For others, the mistake will be with the after picture. We don't really appreciate what we are now. We're alive. We're seated with God in heaven. We're doing the good works he's prepared for us. We're his handiwork. We're special. But we think God's not really happy with me because I've messed up again. I'm not very special. And similarly, The result is the joy is gone. And for others, it might be about how the transformation happens. We don't really appreciate that it's all by Christ and all by grace. We just keep on drifting back to thinking there's something I must do to be sure that I'm saved. I've got to learn to pray really well or tell people the gospel. And and it just comes back to me. And the result is that the wonder of the gospel is gone. No. It's all by Christ and all by grace and that is the best possible news for us. He has worked in us a wonderful transformation. Let's give thanks to God. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for your grace to us. Thank you for transforming us. Thank you for taking us from death to life, for showing us such mercy and grace in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.